Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I am talking with Warren Thompson. He is the President and Chairman of Thompson Hospitality. This group, based out of outside of Washington, D.C., is the largest minority-owned food management company in the United States, and it is closing in on $1 billion in revenue. Thompson Hospitality has a unique model where it's operating across restaurants, contract food service, and hotels. And its portfolio includes about 70 restaurant locations across 18 individual brands, including some that have been developed in-house and some that have been acquired. Warren has had a really incredible career. He started with Marriott before he launched Thompson Hospitality about 30 years ago, and he's grown it into this massively successful group. He joined the podcast to talk about the secrets to that success, why the diversified operation model works so well, and how the group's talent development is helping to pave its way to becoming a billion-dollar company. In this conversation, you will learn more about how diversifying your revenue streams can hedge against a volatile economy, how limited geographic expansion can lead to useful efficiencies, and why the winners in the restaurant arms race will be those who can attract and retain the brightest employees. Jumping now into my interview with Warren Thompson, the president and chairman of Thompson Hospitality. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my seven takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. Have you heard about the California Food Service Instant Rebate Program? You can save up to $3,000 instantly on energy-efficient food service equipment when you purchase from participating dealers. Find out more at www.caenergywise.com slash instant-rebates and find a participating dealer near you. Skip the paperwork and save instantly on your food service equipment. That's www.caenergywise.com slash instant-rebates. Okay, Warren Thompson, the president and executive chair of Thompson Hospitality. Warren, I am so glad to speak with you today. You have an incredible story. I think you're doing some really cool things with your hospitality group. Um, let's just start from the beginning. Warren, tell me how you got into the hospitality business. Sure, Sam. Thanks so much for having me on today. Thompson Hospitality basically started with a dream. And the dream goes all the way back to my great-great-grandfather, who was born a slave, lived about 30 years as a slave, left slavery and started his own blacksmith business. He was very successful at that. My father told me that story many times, and it became the blueprint for my life and for Thompson Hospitality. So I was sitting in a Shoney's restaurant at 12 years old as a kid, and I said to my parents, I'd love to own a restaurant one day. So from that point on, it was set that I would be in the restaurant business. The plan was to get an education, spend some time with a large restaurant company, and then at the end of that, start Thompson Hospitality. Mm -hmm. So that plan worked out such that I spent actually nine years with Marriott, learning the business, moving through the various levels at Marriott. And at the age of 32, 30 years ago, 
1992, I purchased 31 restaurants from Marriott and started Thompson Hospitality. And ironically, the restaurants just happened to be Bob's Big Boys, which we converted over to Shoney's. Sure, yeah. That's incredible. I, I love that you had this goal and you went for it, starting from 12 years old and you go and accomplish this goal. Then once you got into the space, what became your goal after that? Did you envision what you have built since that day? You know, I was very, very fortunate that while working at Marriott, I spent time understanding how to put together a family-owned business but also more importantly, how to put together a diverse business. So if you know the Marriott story, Marriott started as a restaurant company, then it moved into contract food service and ultimately into hotels. Well, if you look at the history of Thompson Hospitality, it is exactly the same. We started as a restaurant company, we moved into contract food service, and we also now do some hotel work and we own own a hotel and personally i'm invested in about 22 hotels so so i followed the marriott blueprint i I did not try to create the story create the game plan i just basically followed uh, one that had been very successful and still is one of the most successful companies in the hospitality industry so sure. Yeah. And, and am I correct in saying that that Thompson Hospitality is the largest minority owned food management company in the U.S.? I read that somewhere. Is that true? It is. We, we characterize our, our, the data, I think, shows that we are the largest. When you look at the fact the fact that we're in restaurants, facilities management, contract food service and hotels, and you define us as a hospitality company in total. I think it's safe to say we we are the largest. Our goal or budget for 2024 is that we will come very, very close, if not surpass the billion dollar revenue mark, which was a goal that we set in place 15 years ago. And we've been tracking toward that. We would have accomplished it by now had it not been for COVID. Mm-hmm set us back a couple of years, but I think we're now on track to to deliver that budget for 2024. That's incredible. Uh, tell me to talk about some of this, the diversification of the business and that you are in hotels, you're in restaurants, you're in contract food service. How do you how do you learn from each of those industries to improve the others? What are ways in which you're you're stronger for having sort of a foot in each business? Right. Diversification can be a strength in many areas. One would look at to diversify its revenue stream in order to hedge its bets against ups and downs in the economy, so forth and so on. We, we capitalized on that, and we have from day one. But we've also, just like Marriott, started to sell the fact that they started as a restaurant company. So when they got into the contract food service business, They would tell a client, we're not going to operate your facility as an institutional food service company. We're going to operate as a retail restaurant company. And there is a distinct difference. So that has been our blueprint. The fact that we started as a restaurant company, we approach an institutional opportunity, whether it's a college or university, whether it's a corporate dining center or a hospital, we approach those as though they are retail operations. And that brings a different mindset. 
we say we don't say that we have captive associates eating our food. We have people who always have the option to go to the street and we want to give them a reason to stay in their office and not go to the street or stay on campus and not go off campus and eat that meal. Or if they're in a hospital environment, especially in the public facing aspect of the hospital, we want to make the, the dining experience comparable or better than what they could get on the street at neighboring restaurants. So as I said, we have always approached our business as retailers, not as institutional food service companies. Mm. The brands that we have also developed and acquired then, we always think about the brand from the perspective of, can it work on a college campus? Will it work in a hospital environment? Will it work in a corporate dining center? And we've been able to transfer many of our retail brands into those operations. Mm. Something also about your business here is, you know, you mentioned having Shoney's restaurants. Um, you and I had the pleasure of meeting in um, Cut 132, a restaurant you've just opened in Columbus, Ohio. And that was, I mean, very upscale, very, very fancy. I mean, this is a really nice restaurant. The hospitality here, I imagine there are some connective tissues across all of the concepts under your portfolio. Tell me about some of those connective tissues. I imagine hospitality is one of them, but how do you maintain right. sort of a, a, right. an experience across them? Right. Interesting enough, today we own and operate 18 different brands. And the portfolio of brands will span everything from a wise guy's pizza shop that may be 1,500 square feet to a 12,000 square foot matchbox or an 8,000 square foot cut 132, which is our newest high-end steakhouse. When I look at it and say, well, what's the commonality? The commonality is more from the back of house in terms of purchasing and procurement, in terms of accounting and, and marketing support. The operations, yes, there are some spillovers in terms of if we've got a great crab cake that we develop in Cut 132, we can use that same crab cake in Milk and Honey or in Maker's Union, which are brands that are not quite as high end as Cut 132 from a decor perspective. But we think that the customer still wants a quality crab cake, whether they're eating in a Milk and Honey Maker's Union or Cut 132. The difference in the price of that crab cake may come into play when you factor in the amount of investment that would go into a Cut 132 versus a Maker's Union. So let's say a Cut 132, we're spending about $4 million to build out a unit. Maker's Union, it's about $2 million to build it out. So there's a lot more investment in a cut 132. Consequently, that affects the price point and what is expected from the customer in order to make that model work. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. And 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 by the way, my you know compliments to you for the cut 132 that I was able to personally experience. Incredible concept. Very excited to see where that goes and to know that it's about 15 minutes right. from where I live. Um, okay. But Warren, I, I'm curious from your standpoint, you guys have this really interesting model where you guys are both acquiring businesses, brands, but you're also developing brands. Tell me about the balance of these two things. How, how do you know when something is right to develop versus when you want to go out and acquire something? Right. You know, speed to market is so important in our business. And we have found that through acquiring or creating strategic partnerships, we're able to move to market a lot faster than developing or creating a brand in-house. Not to say we don't do both, but we believe that both can complement one another. So I'll give you a prime example. We decided we wanted to get into the casual theme burger area. We started, we created BRB, Be Right Burger. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, a couple of those now, one at, uh, at uh, Dallas Airport in, in the DC market. We've got probably 10 of them on college campuses. We're developing another one now on the street, but we then partnered with and bought an interest in Big Buds, which had two very successful units. We closed on that transaction about three years ago. Now we're at 10 of those units and growing very rapidly. Mm -hmm. So it's a bifurcated strategy to get into the burger business. Big Buds is slightly higher in than BRB, but so they can both fit in the category. One developed in-house, one developed through an acquisition partnership with the founder. Craig Carey, who founded Big Buns, is now head of IT for our company. He decided he really did not want to operate a restaurant business day to day. He's as hard and passion as IT. It's a perfect fit. He understands the business. He continues now to have an equity position in the business, but he's now driving the technology piece of our company as opposed to operating uh, a big buns restaurant. We're looking at the same thing, uh, Wise Guys Pizza. We acquired that brand about a year ago, four very successful units. We should open another four this year and double the size of the brand. Um, in that particular case, we, we were developing a pizza brand in-house, but when we were able to consummate the Wise Guys deal, that along with Matchbox, which is a full-service pizza-focused brand, we now believe we have the pizza category locked up and operating well. We're looking for something now still in the Mexican category. We have one brand called Locus Tacos and Tequila Bar, which is sort of an entry-level brand, smaller restaurants, doing well. We have a couple of them that came through an acquisition that we did last year, but we're also looking at finding a brand in that category that is more uh, established and ready to grow. So if there's anyone out there who's interested in partnering with us in that category or the salad category, please give us a call or, or look us up. My email is wthompson at thompsonhospitality.com or Joe Lawler is J Lawler, L-A-W-L-E-R. 
at thompsonhospitality.com. I love that. I love you're, you're going to get a ton of emails. <laughs> Just be All ready right. for it, Warren. It's that's right. a, that's a good problem to have. Uh, I'm I'm curious though. So in that process, do you identify a category like pizza, for example? Do you say, okay, we want to get into casual pizza and then go out and find best in market, or how, what does that process look like when you're looking to get open a specific concept? Absolutely. We if we're going to acquire or get into bed or into get if we're going to work with a brand that's established we want that brand to be successful and we have certain financial criteria that we use to define success revenue per square foot uh cash flow uh return on investment you know if we look at those things performance on social media we look at those things and we can check the box that that brand delivers against what we define as success. Then we say, does that brand then have the app, the latitude or the ability to go into some of our contracts? Would it work on a college campus? Would it work in a hospital environment? Then we say, okay, is it scalable? Can we protect the brand? Can we also ultimately franchise that brand? So all of those are things that we look at when choosing a brand to partner with. And uh, we're, we're pretty selective on that. And fortunately today we can be very selective because there are so many brands out there that have been started that may be at a brick wall or hit a standstill given you know, the economic conditions we all face. And we can try to help the, the founder <laughs> get past that, get over that, or get around that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that bifurcation process of having your own concept, but also acquiring a concept in, in the same sandbox. Um, I guess my first question, my first part of that question is any concerns about the competitive nature of having two different brands potentially competing with each other. But second part of that question, any interest in folding them into one brand, if you decide which one might be stronger? Absolutely not. I mean, once again, if you look at Marriott, Marriott mm -hmm. probably has 19 hotel brands today. There are times when those brands are competing for that same customer. Uh, it's so it's such a fine or the distinction between a Fairfield Inn and a uh, town place suites within Marriott or some of the autograph properties the distinction is is very, very narrow in mm -hmm. terms of when that customer might opt for one of those brands or the other. We realize that will oft, often be the case with our, our brands. A landlord may say, well, I'd rather have Matchbox or I'd rather have Wise Guys. or And so we believe that there will be times that a couple of our brands may be considered for a particular space, but it's better to be competing with ourselves than competing against someone else. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I love the comparison to the hotel business, by the way, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. Um, looking forward, you mentioned the word franchise. I'm, I'm curious about your expansion strategies. Um, as you look to the future, 
you're you're based outside of DC. You're expanding geographically. You mentioned when I met wow. you in Columbus that you guys are looking to build several restaurants here. Um, tell me about the expansion strategy. How you identify markets for growth. How you identify whether something gets franchised or not. What does all of that look like? Okay, so our contract side of the business, we're now in about forty five states. So that wow. business is already has a national platform. Mm -hmm. But let's focus on the retail piece today. So today on the retail side, we're at 70 restaurants. Those 70 restaurants are primarily in three markets. The Washington, D.C. metro area, South Florida defined as Fort Lauderdale, and Columbus, Ohio. So if you look at the markets we've selected to grow retail, there were... we're very, very few markets now when you talk about three markets. And in Columbus, as an example, we only have one restaurant there at this point. So 65, 62 of the restaurants are located in the DC market. And my theory is that we can put 150, 200 restaurants in the DC market across 25 different brands. Mm -hmm. And, and one would say, well, aren't you saturating the market? And the answer is no. We are developing so many brands that we can operate all of those brands within a very limited number of markets and try to create the efficiency. So one of the things we're working hard on right now is to integrate all of our back office POS systems so that our customers can have one loyalty card and use that loyalty card in 30 different brands that we may end up in the Washington market, whether it's a Wise Guys, a Matchbox, a Hen Quarter, a Big Buns, you name it, and they'll be able to gain points by going into any of those restaurants. Our own in-house maintenance department, I want them to be able to park a truck and go to three stores, four stores without having to move that truck from a maintenance mm -hmm. perspective. I want our directors of operations to be able to walk to five stores without getting in their car again. So creating the efficiency of support while maintaining the integrity of the brands, I think is, is the strategy that will work for us. Mm -hmm. There are other restaurant groups out there that might put one to two restaurants in each market and go across the country. Our strategy is to have multiple brands in a very few select markets and go very deep in terms of penetration within those markets and try to capitalize on the uh, the efficiency that we can, can gain from that. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm sure that that must also have application to your people. Tell me about your Absolutely. talent development and your labor situation. How are you investing in the people of Thompson Hospitality? Absolutely. I think the, the winner in this alms race, as we call it in the hospitality industry, will be those firms that can attract and retain the best and brightest. Mm -hmm. So we start out with a program. We are hiring and getting a lot of talent now from our colleges and universities that we serve. So we service today about uh, 18 historical black colleges and universities. Six of those have hospitality programs that we mm. have basically adopted. And we work very closely with the hospitality programs to try to attract some of those students to work in our operations while they're students. And then we offer them jobs 
after graduation to come into our management development program. The ultimate plan that I'd like to establish there is that then once they've done that, the next step is that they we prepare them to be franchisees of one of our brands. Mm-hmm. And it, we're developing a brand called Willie T's Seafood Shack, which is a very, very simple brand to operate. Very simple to develop, does not require hoods. So a relatively low investment. We're willing now to provide the financing for a young person to open that type of restaurant and become a franchisee. The next step then is that person can then graduate and move into and, and license or franchise more difficult brands, say a Wise Guys Pizza or a Big Buds, and kind of move up the ladder in terms of the brands that we operate. That, that to me, would be the, the ultimate program. The other thing that we have established recently is our operating partner model. So we now have created a, a, a really lucrative program for a general manager of a restaurant to be considered for the operating partner model within six months after being on board with us. And once that person gets into the operating partner model, they become an equity player in that particular restaurant with a five-year horizon. At the end of five years, we calculate the value of that restaurant, and that person is entitled to a cash payout of 5% of the value of the restaurant. They can either take the payout and leave, take the payout, roll over and start over again, or not take it and then go year to year, year six, seven, and delay the payment at the appropriate time. But it allows a young person to to put away anywhere from a hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of cash over the course of five years. Wow. So the one young man I'm thinking of who's who's in line to get a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar payment in about a year and a half. When you look at that, that means he will have saved $50,000 a year over the course of that five years. You tack that on to his base compensation and his bonus program, and he will have made a pretty lucrative uh, uh, salary or income over the course of five years. But we're happy because that restaurant has performed at the absolute best level. Mm-hmm. And the operating partner model is set up. We want people who live close to the restaurant, become a part of the community, and and really take ownership. This young man lives in the same development where the restaurant is located. It's his restaurant. It's not mine. It's his. Mm-hmm. And he has takes ownership. The customers know him. He knows the customers. And it's just the perfect model. So he was the first in the program. He's now been in it three years, three and a half years. And we've launched that now across all of our business, all of our retail restaurant business. We're now exploring that also on the contract side of our business. And I think there's there will be benefits to, to introducing that model there as well. That's incredible. Congratulations on that. That's, that's a really cool program. I imagine, I have to imagine that, um, you know, so much in food service, you know, there's this sort of stereotype that this is the bottom rung. That's not a career. 
And I know a lot of companies are really eager to show not only is this a career, but it's a potentially lucrative one. I have to imagine you're also seeing yourself in some of these young people and saying, look what you can do. And you're opening some doors to them. Is, is some of this kind of about that legacy that you're leaving and, and providing opportunity for people? Absolutely. You know, our industry has gotten a, a bad rap, if you rap, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when I look at the industry, and especially as an African-American person, you know, when I first told my parents that I wanted to get into the restaurant business, their response to me was, you can do anything you want if you're willing to work hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful. They were both educators. They were first-generation college grads. They could have said to me, well, why are you going to go to college to end up working in a restaurant? You should be an engineer or you should be a banker or you should be something else. But they, they didn't do that. And when I started this business, I only had $100,000 that I had saved after nine years of work with Marriott. Mm. And, but I put it all on the line and, was, and I was willing to take the risk. And it, it has paid off. And so when I talk to young people, whether it's in one of our K through 12 school districts or one of our colleges and universities, I I let them know that they can make a very good living in the hospitality industry. But I also am honest with them and let them know it's hard work and it hasn't gotten any easier. And so, but if they're prepared to work hard, it is lucrative and it can pay off. It's very difficult for anyone to own a bank. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for anyone to to own a university if you're a professor or an administration. But one can own a restaurant Mm -hmm. and one can work toward that if they're so inclined to be an entrepreneur. That's a great thought. That's really cool. Um, Warren, that's a good segue into my last question for you, which is, thinking of um, people who are, you know, where you were 30 years ago, people who are wanting to build their own food service business, hospitality business, are actively doing so. What's your advice to them? What would what would you suggest they make sure they do at this stage of their careers? Get as much experience and learning as you can on someone else's dime. You know, when When I worked at Marriott, I started as an assistant manager in a fast food restaurant. I cleaned toilets. I cooked hamburgers. I cleaned the chicken, fried the chicken. I I started at the very bottom realm of the management program. Now, this was a special program that Dick Marriott had. It was a fast track program. So I was brought in with an MBA. I was paid an MBA salary. But he forced me to start at the entry-level management position. And through the course of the nine years, I became the highest-ranking African-American at Marriott, running the airport division uh, at the age of 28. And when I did that, we put together what I call the renegades. Everybody was actually younger than I was at the time. And we had this crazy idea of putting national brands in airports. And guess what? It worked. We put the first Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Burger King in an airport. People told me back then I was crazy. But we left an impact on the industry, and we made a change. But we, I took that risk, quite frankly, on Marriott's nickel. Mm-hmm. If it had not worked, what would have happened? They would have fired me. 
but I wouldn't have been broke or wouldn't have been bankrupt. And so when I left Marriott, then I was willing to take calculated risk and willing to do things. And the, the Shoney's experience was not the best, the best one. It was a brand that was failing. I got a great deal on royalties, but it continued to go down. But I learned enough at Marriott to be able to pivot and react or pivot and, and change and move into areas that were profitable. You know, truth be told, there were times when Marriott almost folded, but mm. because it was a diverse company, when the hotels were failing during a recession, the contract side of the business kept them afloat. Mm -hmm. Well, I learned that early on. And so when we've gone through challenging times like COVID, where the restaurants were shut down, our contract side of the business kept us afloat, mm -hmm. kept us moving forward. And so having that diversified portfolio was learned during those days at Marriott, and it has bode well and, 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 and served us well over the course of the last 30 years. Yeah, that's great. It's great advice to anybody who's listening to this. Warren Thompson of Thompson Hospitality. Warren, I really appreciate your time today and, and your, your thoughts on everything. Thanks so much. Thank you. And I've enjoyed this and best wishes. Have you heard about the California Food Service Instant Rebate Program? You can save up to $3,000 instantly on energy-efficient food service equipment when you purchase from participating dealers. Find out more at www.caenergywise.com slash instant dash rebates and find a participating dealer near you. Skip the paperwork and save instantly on your food service equipment. That's www.caenergywise.com slash instant dash rebates. That was my interview with Warren Thompson, the president and chairman of Thompson Hospitality. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my seven takeaways. My first takeaway is that there are plenty of blueprints for success available to you. Warren started at Marriott before he launched Thompson Hospitality. He spent nine years there gaining valuable insights. And when he set off to start Thompson Hospitality, he had a blueprint for success right there ready for him, and that was Marriott's. For the last 30 years, he's followed that blueprint to incredible success. And I love how he mentioned this. He said he didn't want to rewrite his own story or recreate that blueprint. He had it right there available to him. He watched what Marriott did. He saw that it was massively successful, and he set out to do the same thing, and he accomplished that. That Marriott model, of course, started in restaurants, moved to contract food service, and then moved to hotels. Warren did the same thing, and it's worked out beautifully for Thompson Hospitality. My second takeaway is that you can hedge against the volatile economy by diversifying your revenue streams. That's what Thompson Hospitality has done, again, across restaurants, contract food service, and hotels. Of course, what I mean by contract food service is they have moved into the non-traditional space, uh, managing brands across businesses and institutions, colleges and universities, and those kinds of locations. And by being in these three different areas, they kind of all operate as individual uh, businesses or industries, you could say, but all of them are impacted differently by the economy. And so restaurants might be doing really well at a certain point when maybe hotels are not, vice versa. And again, by spreading across the business, across these three, three individual categories, Thompson Hospitality is really able to ensure success because, you know, one of them at some point or another is going to be doing well. They're not all of their eggs in one basket that, you know, is going to sink along with, for example, a global pandemic 
or um, a, an economy that is tanking. My third takeaway is that brand acquisition allows you to move into a market much faster than if you built from scratch. Uh, this is, of course, based on the fact that Thompson Hospitality in their restaurant brands, they have developed some from scratch, but they are also acquiring restaurant companies. And Warren said, you know, speed to market in the food service business is, is really important. It's really important for the success of that business if, if you're first to market, if you get out there quickly. And, you know, his impression of this is that if they acquire brands, they can still develop a restaurant company in the same category. They developed a burger brand, acquired a burger brand, developed a pizza brand, acquired one too. They can still play on both sides of this. But again, by acquiring a brand, they're able to much more quickly get out there with a viable business in that category if that is what they're looking to do. This bifurcated strategy is helping them really round out their portfolio and have many different menu uh, experiences available as they seek to grow. My fourth takeaway is that it's better to compete with yourself than to compete with someone else. Again, looking at their strategy to acquire brands and to develop brands, even though they have multiple brands within multiple menu categories, one might suggest they're competing with themselves. Isn't that just, you know, cannibalize their own business potentially? But Warren doesn't see it that way. And he looks at Marriott again as an example. Marriott has something like 19 hotel brands. But as Warren pointed out, the customer's not super discerning over one or the other. And by having multiple brands, they're able to increase the, the reach that they're able to expand and get in front of more customers. And as Warren points out, as they meet with a landlord, if a landlord is looking for a pizza brand, Thompson Hospitality has two, not just one. And again, better that, that they're competing with themselves for that than competing with a totally different pizza brand under a different company. So there is some uh, success to be had by having multiple brands with the same menu item in your portfolio, because at the end of the day, even if they're competing, you're just competing with yourself. My fifth takeaway is that with multiple brands in your portfolio, you can focus your geographic reach and create multiple efficiencies. I think this is really an, an interesting strategy that Thompson Hospitality has, where they have really focused on three markets in their restaurant business, Washington, D.C., Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Columbus, Ohio. By doing that, as Warren said, you know they have 18 restaurant brands, and they're not going to reach saturation in any one of those markets. There is a very high ceiling in each market because they have so many different brands. They could open hundreds of locations in each of those cities. And as Warren mentioned, you know, by, by doing this strategy, you're able to really hone your approach uh, within each city and, and have those efficiencies by having one support system, one support staff nearby, you know, one manager, of course, one loyalty program. And then on the back end, um, obviously, many efficiencies that you can have by having multiple brands uh, under one portfolio. But again, a lot of restaurant companies, you know, they want to expand into this city, then this city, then this city. They want to hit the whole country. And that is a viable strategy. But this limited strategy, again, it's, it's like going deep and not wide. And I really appreciate that idea because Warren really emphasized the fact that by going deep in a city, again, it creates many opportunities for efficiencies within each market. My sixth takeaway is that in the restaurant arms race, the winners will be those who can attract and retain the best and brightest talent. 
might seem like a no-brainer, but wait until you see what Thompson Hospitality is doing to do that. They have this incredible program where they're working with several HBCUs, uh, historical, historically black um, colleges and universities, uh, on their contract food service side of things. And as Warren pointed out, uh, many of them ha- have hospitality programs where Thompson Hospitality is, is working with them to develop opportunities for those students. They have a management development program where if you graduate uh, from this hospitality program and you come into this management development program at Thompson Hospitality, they'll train you to be uh, a franchisee possibly one day. And this is an incredible program, not just for the students who have this great opportunity put in from them, but for Thompson Hospitality, they're able to identify the brightest minds at these colleges who they can, um, again, re- uh, recruit uh, and then ultimately retain by offering multiple incentives for them and a path to becoming essentially their own boss. Uh, but Thompson also, Hospitality also has an operating partner model uh, where general managers are able to become equity partners in their businesses over the course of five years. And this is extremely lucrative. Uh, for these folks. And again, as Warren talked about, all of this is a matter of recruiting the best talent. They see the opportunity to grow into a career at Thompson Hospitality. And by adding these incentives over time, Thompson Hospitality is able to retain these these very smart, uh, talented young individuals and make sure that the turnover is low and that these people can build a career specifically at Thompson Hospitality. I think this is an incredible approach, one that's worth um, replicating at other restaurant companies because he's right. If you can get the best employees, you stand a much better chance at success than if you're constantly turning over. My seventh and final takeaway is that if you want to start your own company, start by getting as much experience as you can with other industry leaders. Uh, Warren, For Warren, it was Marriott. He got incredible experience there over nine years. And again, if you look at what he's done with Thompson Hospitality, this probably wouldn't have been possible without that experience he got from Marriott. For those of you who are listening, who maybe you haven't started your own restaurant company, but you aspire to, consider that. Consider putting in the time, the effort, the work to get as much experience as you can with leading restaurant companies so that you can learn the ropes and really understand what it takes to build a successful business. If you do that, I'm sure you'll thank yourself later when you do decide to start your own restaurant company. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okus at informa.com. Thanks again and talk to you next week.